0: Again I want to extend a warm welcome to you. It feels very good to be together in this exceptional space on this special day. What a gift we have here at Christ Church that's been bequeathed to us by prior generations. A sparkling geode encrusted with 14,000 square feet of Venetian mosaics and. 34 varieties of marble, 17th century icons, all collected and assembled in the name of the criminal carpenter from Nazareth. That's what Jesus was, after all. The last week of his life made that clear, what we now call Holy Week. A lot of bad stuff went down in those last days. Winding up in crucifixion. A lot of effort went into building this place. It cost a lot, and it took 30 years to finish. At the time, the money could have been spent on other things, of course, good things, useful things, things related to our mission here to love God above all else and our neighbors as ourselves. But then, this has been a useful and beautiful place of spiritual refuge for decades. And I can't recount how many times people have either told me in person or written or messaged their gratitude for this place in the heart of the city, in the heart of the world. It's hard to put a price tag on that over the decades and hopefully centuries of its continuing presence on this corner. You're here because it's here. And we can imagine another assembly a hundred years, two hundred years from now. I got to thinking about this place in a fresh way as seven days ago I watched a much older and grander and storied cathedral consumed in an awesome and terrible conflagration. All media saturated our senses with images of iconic Notre Dame in the heart of Paris transformed into a glowing inferno. Rosy flames leapt higher and higher, eventually consuming the roof and spire that finally collapsed into a smoldering heat below. Over 850 years old, the Keith Cathedral is one of the finest examples of Gothic architecture. It's the site of many historic moments, and featured prominently in art and literature. For nearly a millennia, it has survived revolutions in Paris, as well as bombings in both the First and Second World Wars. It sits in the middle of the city on an island in the Seine River, the most visited monument in Paris. I'm curious, of those of you here, how many have been to Notre Dame? Astonishing, isn't it? That was more than half, it looked to me. It's an icon, isn't it? The destruction reverberated around the world, and honestly, I was initially surprised by the international outburst of anguish and how moved to hear the stricken throngs in the street joining their voices in a hymn of all things that clearly lingered still in the collective psyche of an otherwise majorly secular culture. I agree with the sentiment of Rich Lowry, who wrote that, The cathedral stands for so many qualities that we now lack. Patience and staying power. The cultivation of beauty. A deep religious faith. A cultural confidence and ambition that could create a timeless monument of our civilization. I think that accounts for the anguish. That this devastation took place during Holy Week ignites the spiritual imagination. The metaphor for, a metaphor for catastrophic loss of every kind in these days, the crucifixion of beauty, as it were, of life-enhancing institutions, of human dignity and honesty, of the noblest aspirations of collective human community, all of these seem under attack in our dyspeptic age. the fire felt resonant with the energy of Good Friday. Reflecting on the stabilizing grandeur of the cathedral, Victor Hugo, author of the famous Hunchback of Notre Dame, said, these greatest productions of architecture are not so much the work of individuals as of a community are rather the offspring of a nation's labor than the outcome of individual genius. The deposit of a whole people, the heaped up treasure of centuries. It took over 300 years to build, an incalculable treasure of the best of what we humans are capable. I think the fire tweaked unconscious recognition that this treasure is under attack. But then all of this renewed my appreciation for what we have here at Christ Church in the meantime, for the foresight and generosity of our forebears and the recognition of the importance of sacred place. One doesn't have to worship God in a jewel box like this, of course, most won't. Any place will do. On the other hand, a place like this does serve an important purpose with its solidity and beauty, an emblem of the historic dimension of our standing on the shoulders of others and an implicit sense of responsibility to pay it forward. You can feel that, can't you? Despite the very strong headwinds facing the church today, even the United Methodist Church facing its own Good Friday moment. Here we all are, having gathered from, well, I can tell you from certain when considering everyone who has attended here, from around the whole world, representing all of the continents, save Antarctica, and many, many nations and ethnicities. Think of the extraordinary diversity of background, perspective, and life experience gathered here. You've brought all of that in here with you. All of your hopes and dreams, all of your doubts and fears, and all of your tears and anguish. We've come because despite present conditions, we hope there's something at the heart of human existence that has fashioned us in love for the sake of love. In other words, For a life that actually means something. Still, the energy of Good Friday might seem to have the day. Moments come to all of us over the course of our years in our physical and emotional and spiritual health, in our marriages, with our children, our career, our politics, our justice, the state of the world, or just plain recognition of our eventual death and the thought occurs, oh my God, the whole damn thing's burning down. But the story didn't end on Friday. Did you see that astonishing photo from Notre Dame of the glimmering golden cross, shimmering through the smoke and rubble a harbinger of hope in the midst of destruction that cross was an emblem of a man's execution an enemy of the state they said by the time they cut him down from the wooden crossbeams his body was too broke to mend That fact alone accounts for the bewilderment and confusion of those early resurrection witnesses we read about. How could they comprehend resurrection when the world they knew seemed defined by the days like Good Friday? Indeed, didn't they live in a Good Friday sort of world? Wasn't that the truest thing to be accepted? Didn't Good Friday win the day? And didn't that suggest that... Killing your threat was the way to go forward? Isn't that what defined the future? Just more of the same old, same old... St. Paul finally put words to the astonishing turn of events when he wrote some years later, after he had fallen in love with the God of love. The God of Jesus is the one who can make the things that are out of the things that are not, and the one who can make dead things come to life again. I can't help thinking he knew something of this firsthand. It was personal for him, very personal. He had been dead and came back to life. I think that's what happened to him and what prompted his words. He knew it firsthand. But this speaks of a universe we hardly dare believe exists. It speaks of the power of the one who made the universe in the first place and brought life to this planet and inflated our lungs with breath. Consider the miracle of your existence that you think and feel and have awareness and that you can know the experience of love your very existence gives tangible evidence of the one who can make the things that are out of the things that are not there was a time friends when each one of us was not and yet here you are i vividly remember when my Children were born in my wife's agony in childbirth. One time prompting her to cry out, my God, I want to die. But after the agony, a beautiful little boy was born and then a beautiful little girl. They're now 36 and 38. And I think God makes the things that are out of the things that are not. God brings life out of the place that can feel like death. The reality of the awesomeness sinks in and I tremble. Frederick Buechner put it this way, resurrection means the worst thing is never. The last thing never the last thing i don't know how one comes to say such things except through the eyes ears and heart of faith you can't force anyone to say such a thing it can only be invited like please come to dinner and share our hospitality which by the way is exactly what we'll be doing in just a few moments we're going to invite you to easter sunday dinner as it were we'll be doing that soon And we're going to say that everyone is welcome. Everyone. That no one is excluded from the invitation. No one. This is a dinner that participates in resurrection. And as we say, We are what we eat. Here's the thing. Easter creeps up on us in the darkness, in the confusion, in the despair, in the sense of failure and profound loss, in the smoke and aftermath of devastation. Easter comes for those who, like Mary, find themselves crying their eyes out some days, maybe many days, maybe many days, and then all of a sudden is astonished by a hope that seems the very creative power of life itself. Oh, my. Good friends, Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed.